Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. Long before Europeans ever came to the land that would be Crossfield, the indigenous occupied the area. The primary indigenous group were the Blackfoot, whose territory stretched across southern Alberta into Saskatchewan and Manitoba, as well as the northern United States. The Cree would eventually come to the area as they were pushed from the east by settlers, which would create conflict between the two nations. Peace was eventually achieved through the help of Father Albert Lacombe in the late 19th century. The bison migrated through the area and provided the indigenous with an incredibly important resource. Just to the west of Crossfield, there's a small buffalo jump where animals were sent off a cliff of about 20 feet high. This allowed the bison to be killed easily by those below. The harvesting of the animals allowed the Blackfoot in the area to have an extra leisure time, helping them create a complex structure. The buffalo jump site also features pictographs giving a glimpse of what life was like centuries ago before Europeans ever arrived. As the 19th century progressed towards the 20th century, the bison were slowly hunted to near extinction by Canadians and Americans. This would lead the Blackfoot to near starvation, which forced them to sign treaties to cede land to the Canadian government. It was the Blackfoot that Anthony Henday would have met in 1754 when he came farther west than any European before him, 
He would be followed by others, including David Thompson, who arrived in 1799 and spent the winter in the area of Crossfield and near where Calgary is today. The strength of the Blackfoot in the area delayed the establishment of fur trading posts in the area until the middle of the 19th century. By this point, the bison herds were declining and the way of life of the Blackfoot was being threatened. Today, Crossfield sits on Treaty 7 land. For several decades, settlement was slow in the area despite the proximity to what was Fort Calgary and became Calgary when the Canadian Pacific Railway was built through in the 1880s. Crossfield would spring up thanks to its own railway, the Calgary and Edmonton Line, which was built in 1891. In 1892, the Alberta to Edmonton Line of the railway would establish a new community named Crossfield. The name of the community came from an engineer with the Canadian Pacific Railway survey crew. Two years previous, a Mrs. Hannington had opened a stopping house at the spot, and it was there that the C&E Railway decided to create this new community. The community would slowly grow, and by 1904 it had a post office, hotel, general store, and a school. The first post office was operated by James Sutherland, and it was located in a boxcar near the train station. In 1905, the CPR train station was built and would stay in the community for 75 years until 1980 when, rather than demolish it, it was moved to car stairs and renovated and turned into a private home that still stands east of that town to this day. In 1906, the first grain elevator was built by the Alberta Pacific, followed by a privately owned one soon after. One year later, Crossfield was incorporated as a village, with Dr. Bishop serving as the first mayor. Dr. Bishop was the first doctor in Crossfield, and he would leave to serve in the Canadian Army. Other doctors would come, but it was Dr. Willems who made the deepest mark on the community. For over 50 years, he would serve the community of Crossfield in his medical needs. Many residents had fond memories of seeing him in his buggy pulled by his horse named Captain. No matter if it was day or night, he would be found journeying to someone's home to help, and he would later have a Ford that allowed him to get to rural homes easier in the time of an emergency. On May 2nd, 1919, Crossfield and the entire area was hit by a severe blizzard that was described as the worst in a generation by the old-timers in the community. The blizzard suddenly hit almost out of nowhere. At the start of the day, the sky was clear, but by mid-morning, the sky was filled with snow, and for the next three days, snow blew, covering roads and farms. Anyone who left their window open in the morning came home to find snow piled high in their house. One person stated, quote, the winds blew and the snow flew for three days. Never have seen anything like it since. Drifts around the buildings were 20 feet high. Cattle out in the storm drifted with the wind until reaching a coulee where the snows from the storm swirled over them. End quote. Hundreds of cows were killed in the storm, devastating many ranches. There were some good stories out of the storm, though. Herbert Stewart and his son Jim saved 100 cows by riding on horseback, bareback, to keep from freezing and following a fence west to the willow bush where the cattle were located. They were able to drive them back to the road and into buildings for safety. The year 1924 was a tough one for the community of Crossfield. That year would see not one, not two, but three fires tear through. The first fire happened on January 1st, 1924 when a fire destroyed a hotel, two banks and several other buildings along a city block. Unfortunately for those fighting the fire, the water supply gave out almost immediately after the fire started. The Calgary Fire Brigade quickly responded to help fight the fire and found that the fire was out of control. Fighting the flames in bitter cold weather, it would take hours to finally put it out. Soon after, citizens began to pressure the municipal leaders to bring in adequate fire protection for the community. 
The final tally for damages caused by the fire was $175,000, amounting to about $2.7 million today. One week later, another fire hit, burning another set of buildings in the commercial area of the community. J.P. Conrad was especially hard hit as his hotel, valued at $16,000, burned to the ground and he only had $6,000 covered by insurance. This second fire did a further $75,000 or $1.1 million in damages to the community. And then later in 1924, Crossfield would go through another fire when a blaze broke out of McKay's garage at 1 p.m. on November 25th. The fire would soon spread and eventually destroy the Chinese laundry next door and then the UFA store. The volunteer fire brigade would respond and get the blaze under control, but it would cause a total of $12,000 in damages, or about $190,000 today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 1930, the Children's Park was officially opened in the community, courtesy of the local Board of Trade. The opening of the park was a big event, with hundreds of people coming out to enjoy the maypole, slides, putting green, and other amenities built by the volunteers. By far the biggest event, though, and the reason I'm talking about this park opening, was the arrival of the Chicago Colored Athletics. The two teams played a doubleheader even as the clouds began to gather and rain started to fall. At a time when black Americans could not play against teams with white players, Crossfield welcomed the black Americans to their community to play the local baseball team. In the first game, the Athletics won easily 8-1, but the second game was closer, with the game finishing 4-2 in favor of the Athletics after five innings due to rain falling and ending the game. The Calgary Herald reported, quote, Steady play, not relieved by any heavy hitting, featured the afternoon game, with the local nine getting only one tally and that in the sixth inning, the colored team scored once in the first frame, three in the second, and ran riot with four in the fourth. End quote. Pitching for the Athletics was Lefty Brown, who easily held Crossfield's players to only a few runs. Around this same time, Pete Knight was making a name for himself on the rodeo circuit. Born in 1903 in Crossfield, Knight quickly became one of the best rodeo performers in North America after being invited to compete at the Calgary Stampede in 1924 by Guy Wiedek himself. He took second in the Canadian Bucking Horse Championship and a legend was born. In 1927, he took the Canadian and North American Open Bucking Championship and earned the Prince of Wales Cup. In the 1930 Calgary Stampede, he won the Canadian Championship Bucking Event and then won the Bucking Event at the Cheyenne Frontier Days Rodeo. In 1931, he would win the World Series Rodeo Bucking event at Madison Square Garden. For the next several years, Knight continued to dominate on the rodeo circuit, once again winning at the Calgary Stampede in 1933, and even going to England to tour with the Tex Austin Rodeo Troupe, followed by a trip to Melbourne, Australia. After winning the bucking event at the World's Fair Rodeo in Chicago, Wilf Carter stated that Pete King was the king of the Cowboys. In 1936, Knight became a founding member of the Cowboys Turtle Association, and he was named the World Championship Bronc Rider in 1932, 1933, 1935, and 1936. Sadly, on May 23, 1937, Knight was trampled to death by a horse at a rodeo in California. 
1958, Knight was inducted into the Rodeo Hall of Fame, followed by the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 1979. In 1980, he was inducted into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame and the Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 1981. In Crossfield, the arena is named for him, and each year, the Pete Knight Days Rodeo is held in his honour. I'll end this episode by talking about something very unique about Crossfield. It is called Steve, or Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. This phenomenon is caused by a ribbon of hot plasma that stretches for 25 kilometers at a height of 450 kilometers, where it is heated to 3,000 degrees Celsius and moves at a speed of 6 kilometers per second. It has been observed since at least 1705 and has been found throughout the world, including the United Kingdom, Alaska, and New Zealand. The area of Crossfield is one such place to have the phenomenon, and the phenomenon typically lasts about 20 minutes, and it's quite random for when you will see it, but if you do see it, it is truly an amazing sight to witness. People were out observing the aurora, and they started noticing something that was overhead as well when they were seeing the aurora far to the northern regions. It was unlike most aurora. Talked to the scientists, we didn't know what it was. And together, they said, we'll keep taking observations and we'll call it Steve in the meantime. Steve is mostly a very narrow purple arc and sometimes it has these little green features that go along with it as well that are kind of like waving fingers or a picket fence. That means that there's plasma physics happening up there to cause that light and to make these little discrete features that we don't understand yet. We now have some satellite observations from the ESA satellite called SWARM that show uh, that Steve optically is associated with a very strong flow um, in the particles in the ionosphere, the upper level of our atmosphere. Steve is important for a number of reasons. Um, it's really exciting that uh, people armed with cameras all over the globe can capture something that we didn't fully understand and shed new light on that. It's also really exciting that this happens further to the south where there are, more, there are more people, so it might be a kind of aurora that more people can see than the usual kind. We're now able to look up at the sky and see things about the aurora and this sub-auroral region that we never understood before, and then we can correlate that with our traditional observations and lead to greater understanding. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Crossfield, Alberta. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to Canada ehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D, Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, 
Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.